Hello, and welcome once again to the Many Rules of Film Club. My name is Jeff Yance. I'm the program director at the Loft Cinema, and I'm joined here today once again by my summer-loving, cinema-loving cohorts, occasional filmmaker Heather Lades. Hi, Jeff. And multimedia artist Rusty Boulay Stevenson. The living is easy, Jeff. Ah, uh, summertime. The living is easy. <laughs> Well, the living is easy until the temperature soars over 115 degrees, at which point it becomes almost unlivable. Less easy. Which is what we're living in right now here in Tucson. But uh, we love it. We love the desert. We love the desert. I love it that it's in the 60s in the winter. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, The other six months out of the year. 116 was tough. Yeah, it's tough. Well, these face-melting temperatures have been making us think about films set during the summer. And um, so we're going to talk today about summer films, Uh, drawing the distinction here, not summer blockbusters, but films that are actually set in the season of summer. So I thought it might be a good place to start this discussion talking about what summer evokes for us. What does the season hold for you, Heather? Oh, well, for me, it's summer break. It's no school. It's uh, as a child... It meant I could read as many books as I wanted to, and I could read the mm. ones that I wanted to and not the ones that my teacher told me to. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. It meant, mm-hmm. like, longer stays with my dad and my sisters and watching movies longer for a longer period of time than just the weekends. And my mom would let us sleep in and stay up late, not all the time, but mm-hmm. a lot of the time. You know, it was the sun going down later, being able to stay outside later, you know, being in the pool, smell of chlorine. Summer right. brings up lots of memories for me like that. Yeah, the smell of copper tone is very... Boy, yes. isn't that the truth. Oh, boy. Yeah, smell of sunscreen and chlorine. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How yeah. are you, Rusty? Well, my birthday is in June. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I put no stock in astrology, but I do think that people with summer birthdays, we grow up a little differently. <laughs> We, we don't have our birthday parties uh-huh. in school. Same. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think things are a little different. So it reminds me of that. I I think, too, um, family reunions seem to happen in the summer a lot. Yes. And so it reminds me of those sorts of things. Summer camp, mm-hmm. obviously, yes. is something that figures in. My son goes to summer camp now. He doesn't go away, though. They're just different camps each week that he goes to, you know. He'll be doing a DJ camp at KXCI soon. Nice. Oh, um, great. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, and so, I mean, it reminds me of those things, certainly swimming a lot and being exhausted, but still getting to stay up yeah. late, getting to read what I want. I think that's a huge one for me growing up. Yes. Um, is yeah, is that. Too. And, you know, one thing, too, is it summer vacations, we would go places. A lot of times my parents would, we wouldn't even leave the state of Indiana. Sometimes we'd go to southern Indiana and just go to all the caves in southern Indiana. Right. Or we'd do, you know, just off the wall, different stuff. But it meant meeting different people. It meant meeting mm-hmm. kids that I didn't know, kids with different um, accents, right? And learning right. a little bit about culture mm-hmm. elsewhere, going to bigger cities. Uh, yes. Chicago mm-hmm. was a big time summer destination for us. So baseball games. Big time oh, baseball, deal, yeah. right? Baseball's a big mm-hmm. time deal in the summer, and I was a big baseball fan. Still, am a baseball fan. Uh, so all that stuff. I mean, yeah. and and hot, hot and sticky, hot right? And Indiana sweaty. was hot and sticky, and mosquitoes and lightning bugs. Ah, uh, yes. Well, and growing up in the desert, as yeah. I did here, and I think Heather grew up here also. Yep. Uh, just the f- 
the slight discomfort, the feeling of discomfort, I think, very much reminds me of summer. Like, <laughs> yes. Desperately, <laughs> desperately trying to cool off. Yeah. Yeah. Finding and some way. Yeah. Finding some way, and being a native Tucson, almost native Tucson, and uh, I don't want to give them a free plug, but EG's. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. The taste is summer, yeah. and smell of an EG's drink reminds me of summer almost as much as Coppertone yeah. or chlorine. Agreed. Uh, and what's an EG's drink? For those of us, for those no, of us for... not in the know, it's pretty much pure sugar, fruit, and ice concoction. A softer, like shaved ice kind of thing. Yes, but really amazing flavors. Uh, they introduce a new flavor every month. Um, watermelon is usually the summer flavor in July. Well, and it's pretty funny. I mean, it's such a part of Tucson summer that it was so hot, it hit 116. The mayor had to decree that that watermelon flavor should be released early. (laughs) A political proclamation. I was just like, watermelon's not the best flavor. Uh, What are you doing? (laughs) But I appreciated it. But yes, it was appreciated. Uh, Yeah, and whenever I have a friend who moves away from Tucson... That's usually what they say they miss, which I find hilarious. Uh, yeah. But all it's, my relatives have moved away, and I say I won't. I mean, yeah. EGs today. They always get jealous. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So aside from the EGs and the discomfort of the weather, uh, for me it evokes, as we talked about, freedom, reading. Uh, I would spend summers uh, at my grandparents' farm in Wyoming, so it was wow. very rural. Mm. So for me, it evokes swimming in a canal. Um, inner tubing. I'm just walking around a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a time when they were harvesting a lot, so it would help out with the harvesting of wheat and sugar beets and that kind of thing. Uh, and just, as Rusty mentioned, just getting to know people that you don't see throughout the year, cousins, relatives, kind of a more rural lifestyle. Also the camp experience, the summer camp experience, uh, which I mentioned off mic that my memories of camp are much better than I think the actual <laughs> camp experience was, but I don't care. Now it's part of my memory, and it's very great in my memory, Right. Uh, which is why I'm always drawn to summer camp movies, movies about summer camps. It's instant nostalgia takes me back. It's the wish fulfillment, the way I wished that summer camp had been, but probably really wasn't. Yeah. But I think it was, so that's good enough for me. Uh, so, so yeah, so films about summer. So what are some favorite films about summer? How about you, Rusty? Um, I have a ton. Uh, yeah. Just mentioning baseball just made me think Bull Durham is one of the all-time great yes. summer movies. Yes. Uh, it follows the season of Nuke Lelouch and Crash Davis in uh, minor league baseball. They're at AAA, I believe. Maybe it's AA baseball. Um, it's great. And The Sandlot. And The Sandlot is, a is a, an incredible summer movie. Yes. But I say that... I. I, I give that some room. It's schlockiness. It's schlocky. It can be it's a, a little off-putting, but yeah. it's okay. And it really is a great summer film. And that that brings up kind of the nostalgia factor and remembering it as better than than it really was. <laughs> right. And you give these films a little leeway because they do remind you of summer. They may not be great films. I think there's a distinction. That's right. But we, That's true. That's we true. love them anyway. Well, the film I want to talk about is a great film. It is the movie George Washington. Mm, yes. And it is directed by David Gordon Green, and it's his film debut, and it's unlike anything else he did. You might know Pineapple Express is probably his most well-known film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot about George Washington that is like that at all. It's a really poetic film. It moves really slowly. It's about life in a rural North Carolina town. 
um, predominantly African Americans, but there's some some Caucasian people as well in it. I, everybody's poor. Um, race doesn't really factor into the film that much. It's narrated by a young African American girl, and she's talking about her friends and about just a summer that they have where a tragedy happens. And I'm going to leave the tragedy as to what actually happens out. It should surprise you. I, I'm guessing yes. you, a lot of people have not seen George Washington. It's criminally underseen. Really beautiful film. Um, so a tragedy happens, and it's all about what what transpires and how the tragedy affects then the characters going forward. And and one character who his his skull is soft. Um, his his skull didn't ever form quite right, and so he's still got a soft spot. Um, and so he has to wear a helmet. After the tragedy, he starts wearing a cape and he wants to be a superhero and he saves a drowning boy and he, he kind of hilariously directs traffic. And, and it, it's really such a poetic and sweet film about summertime. I, I can't recommend it enough. It, it almost is all non-actors. Yes. Um, I, I guess a couple people went on to become, you know, fairly successful actors. Paul Schneider. Exactly. Paul Schneider's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he he acts as a mentor a bit to uh, to George, the character that would be the superhero, mm. and and it's just it's got really sweet, touching moments, and it's a lot. It's not a typical film. There's no great resolution, no profound thing happens that makes everybody realize. Oh, this is what I learned from the tragedy that happened. Right. Uh, nothing like that happens. Instead, it's it's about feelings and it's it it's about just living life and and how you do it and how you interact with people and how kids interact. But it, it's such a sweet summer film. I I recommend it without any reservation at all. It is not a film that relies on summer camp. It doesn't talk about the heat. Nope. It doesn't. I, I mean, it it doesn't really point out, aside from the fact that the kids aren't in school, you wouldn't know it's summer necessarily even, and it's very pleasant out. Um, right. But it, they don't make a big deal out of it, so it's not something that is a, an obvious summer film. It doesn't have summer in the title. Um, but it, it is a summer film, and it, it's a really great. If, if you want to cool off, it's a great sit in the air conditioning and, and watch George Washington, and, and you'll really be... I think really entertained. It's there are a couple moments that are are a little hard to watch when the tragedy happens. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that something bad's going to happen and you don't know what, and that that's really a bit of a hard scene. But the rest of it, it it doesn't it doesn't hurt the movie in any way moving forward. That the tragedy happens and then just characters react from it. Mm-hmm. And and I love that the way that the children are portrayed as these living, breathing humans, not as Kids who are yeah. flat and unde- undimensional, I guess, accessories or two-dimensional. To the parents, usually. Yeah, yeah, accessories yeah. to the parents. That's not the case here at all. They're front and center, and they're real people with real emotions and really trying to figure things out for themselves in a place where there's not a lot of opportunity. Right. I I love that film. I just think it's beautiful. I to me, it's very evocative of summer because of the languid pacing yeah. of the film. It feels like summer where everything's a little slower. Yeah. Uh, and the slightly aimless quality of it feels very summer-like to me where these kids are not in school and they're just wandering around, sort of discovering things. And 
sometimes being, getting into some trouble. Yeah, but being open to possibility, I think. Yeah. That's a very summer feeling to me because when you don't have responsibilities, you're open to possibilities. And then that's what this movie really evokes to me. And you don't know what's going to happen. And something not great happens to them in the film. Um, but other great things happen to them. It's it's a mix. It's not all about the tragedy. Yeah, not at all. But but that's kind of the center of the film. Yeah. It happens about in the middle. And and but it but it doesn't it does affect the characters, but it's not I don't know quite know how to explain it almost, and that's that's part of the beauty of the film is is it's it almost defies explanation a little bit. Right. Well, they're they're kids, which is what I think is brilliant. So they're resilient. So the tragedy doesn't mark mm. their entire lives necessarily. Yeah. They're going to bounce back, most of them. Right. Um, whereas I think films about adults where a tragedy happens, that is the defining element of their life. That's true. Uh, so I think it really beautifully captures childhood and North Carolina, the atmosphere, the, the green lushness. Yeah. Yeah. It's really pretty. Yeah. And it does have an aimless quality that summer, that it evokes summer, mm-hmm. that yes. aimlessness. You don't think about winter as aimless. No. Um, it has a no. kind of driving for ferocity right. almost winter. Right. Um, at least most places in the country. Tucson's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but summer does have this quality of you you do kind of feel like you can goof off somehow more in the summer. Right. Um, and, and that is definitely part of this movie. I, it's really sweet. There's some really great dialogue in it. Uh, it's sweet. It's funny. It's sad. And, and it'll leave you just feeling pretty good about things, yeah. I think, ultimately. I'm just really glad you brought this film up because I recommend this film all the time to people. And I think the the title is a turnoff. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's misleading, I think, to most people. They think it's going to be a biopic about George Washington, which it's not at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> not at all, clearly. clearly. Um, but I think once people watch it, anyone I know who's actually watched it has loved it. Yeah, I am met anyone that didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And if they didn't, I would question them. Yeah. <laughs> and David Gordon Green's career following has been a little baffling in a way. I mean, he's doing good work. Prince Avalanche was good. Pineapple Express is really good. It's I just, enjoy it. It's just really, really different. I love, I think he has a sense of genuineness even when he, however he directs, which I haven't seen any behind the scenes, but it feels like he has this sense of instilling this genuineness in the scenes, mm. even if they're crazy, like Pineapple Express yeah, yeah. or Eastbound and Down. I Eastbound and his, Down. Yeah, his list. You did that. I mean, and I love. I've loved the 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 ones that I've watched, and I just feel like they're just in it. They're in it. They're going to be genuine as much as possible. You can kind of feel the atmosphere, especially in George Washington. And, right. Yeah. Uh, he does a good job. All those scattered here and there. Yeah. Well, and he defies the uh, the Southern stereotype. Yes. Uh, which I, I think that that's really good as well. Um, right. His southern characters can be smart, uh, even though they have a southern accent. They're they're not hicks. Yeah. They're not dumb. Right. right. He's got smart characters with southern accents, which that's uh, that's such a trope in film. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a very affectionate film. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Which it's really very radiates. It radiates from that film that he likes these characters. And, yeah. Yeah. It's really so, sweet. It's on Criterion. You should. That's right. Check you can it find out. it on yes, Filmstruck. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It's considered a classic i think of modern cinema yeah from the year 2000 year 2000 yep one of the best of the 21st century i think oh i agree i agree wholeheartedly i I haven't tried to make a list but it would probably fall in my top 20 i think yeah pretty easily well a film i'm very fond of that is probably not going to make anyone's lists of (laughs) the greatest films of the 21st century but i love it to death anyway 
Uh, and really a film that evokes summer to me in a major way, not just because it's in the title, but is Wet Hot American Summer uh, from 2001, uh, directed by David Wayne uh, and written by Wayne and Michael Showalter, who are a comedy team. They were part of the state comedy troupe. They had an MTV show in the 90s, and then they were uh, in the Stella show on MTV about 10 years later. Uh, along with Michael Ian Black, who's in this film as well. Uh, so this is a film, just in case you haven't seen it, but it's a compendium and a parody and a loving homage to all summer camp movies. And just the the experience of summer camp, David Wayne and Michael Showalter have said it's all based on real incidents, but then twisted beyond recognition for the film that they really experienced going to summer camp as kids. In the early 80s. So the film is set in 1981 on the last day of camp at a camp near Maine, in Maine. Uh, And it's, this is a film that did not catch on when it was released. I think the studio hated it. They supposedly released it in 12 theaters only. Naturally, it flopped. Uh, Critics did not like it. Uh, It came out on DVD a year later, and it almost instantly, I think, became a cult film. I knew people who were doing wet, hot parties right away after that wearing <laughs> tube socks and obscenely short shorts and yeah. tank tops and um mullet wigs and everything so th- the film really captures the look and the vibe and the atmosphere of 1981 in the summer uh and it's all set on the last day of camp it's an overly incident packed day so there's the big talent show, Skylab is about to fall on the camp, so everyone's worried about that. <laughs> There's a gay marriage that goes on at camp. Um, people are falling in love, losing their virginity. Uh, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. This is a this is the kind of comedy though. It's very absurd, um, a little dark, very I'm, aware of itself, very self-aware. So you almost have to have seen Meatballs, Little Darlings sleepaway camp a a lot of these summer camp classics from that era to really get what it's parroting uh and i've watched this with people i i forced this on a lot of people and they have (laughs) i've seen people watch it stony-faced and turn to me afterwards and said is this a comedy yeah i I can see that happening i mean because everything's delivered so deadpan and there are weird comedy aspects to it yes so this i like to use this element of the film as the defining key whether or not you find this funny. So Christopher Maloney, whom I think we mostly know from Law & Order Order Special Victim Unit, he plays a Vietnam vet who also happens to be the camp chef. And so he's got a lot of issues, um, and he begins taking (laughs) advice from a can of talking vegetables, mixed vegetables. It's in the credits as can of mixed Mixed vegetables. Uh, And the can urges him to be himself, let his freak flag fly, and... (laughs) How he decides to do this is by humping a refrigerator in front of all the kids <laughs> one day at dinner. And, <laughs> and if you don't buy into that as funny, you're not going to like this film, clearly. It's very absurd in a Monty Python-esque way almost. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's dark. Uh, there's a running gag where Paul Rudd in the film lets a lot of children drown in the lake because he's making <laughs> out with Elizabeth Banks and ignoring his duties as a counselor. The first and, time you see it, that's a little weird, It's too, a little weird. Because you yeah. think that surely the kid's going to be saved. No, they're gone. But no. 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 <laughs> they're at the bottom of the lake. And then to get rid of any 
witnesses to the crime. He takes kids in a van and dumps them into the woods <laughs> where they're never seen or heard from again. <laughs> and I've had people say, well, that's not funny. It's children dying. Oh, yeah, it, it can be. <laughs> it can be funny. Uh, and that, this is also a movie that launched a lot of careers. Amy Poehler, um, Bradley Cooper. This was his first film, which he claims still to this day is his favorite on-screen kiss, was, and it's with another man, Michael Ian Black in the film. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, this was one of her first films. And there's a lot of other people, Janine Garofalo, Paul Rudd. David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce, it. when he was still Niles on Frasier. Yeah, yeah. Who has one of my favorite lines in the film. I won't repeat it here because I don't, it's really pretty grotesque. But he said that that line is the one that convinced him to do the film. <laughs> it's great. Go back and watch it again. You'll know what it is. Uh, so this, this film to me really kind of captures the kind of absurdity of summer because anything, kind of anything is possible in the summer mm-hmm. because you have more time on your hands. Theoretically, yeah. uh, and especially when you're at camp. So I mentioned this is like wish fulfillment of how I wish camp had been. Mm. I don't think my real camp experiences were not this good. Nobody's was. No, no. Yeah. no. Yeah. But which is why I've always loved meatballs. We've mm-hmm. Heather and I have yes. rhapsodized about our love of meatballs yes, and Bill Murray as a camp counselor of our dreams. Yeah. And, uh, but I think that's what films do wish fulfillment they fulfill your wishes it's not life as you knew it but life as you wanted it to be yeah um and and it's pretty great the way it sends up all summer films everything gets wrapped up so quickly and things things happen yeah um at a rate that can't really happen in real life oh yeah the the janine garofalo character gets pregnant one night and then the next day she's already several months along yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) they learn about each other you know soap opera kind of timeline (laughs) she learns about astrophysics right like she goes to the library to check out a book on isn't it astrophysics Astrophysics to impress david high pierce who's an astronomer and he learns he checks out a book on camp counseling because she's the head counselor and they both become experts in each other's fields. Overnight. Overnight. And then theoretically <laughs> so have bam, a baby together. They're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Molly Shannon marries an eight-year-old boy at the end of the film. And so it's it's weird. It's sure. very weird. Well, the eight-year-olds are smarter than everybody else in the movie, which is yes, pretty true. great. Yeah. It doesn't make fun of the kids, which I find interesting. It's mm. the adults who are ridiculous. But the kids are all pretty straight and smart yeah. and together and... You should pay attention to the kids, in fact, yes. in this movie. They're the ones that have the wisdom. Yeah. And, of course, the big joke is that none of these actors were of the right age to be playing camp counselors, even in 2001. They're all too old. And then, of course, the show came back a couple of years ago on Netflix with the show um, Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp. So they were even younger than they were in the original movie. They're, they're 15 years older as <laughs> nice. actors. Uh, and it's coming back in August on Netflix with the movie What Hot American Summer 10 years later. Yeah. So now we'll see them in the early 90s as even older characters. Well, we'll see. I like the fact that it has spawned a mini franchise. That's what I'm saying. Mm. So. Yeah. It it's a great movie. It really is. It's better than most parody films. Mm. Yes. And it's not it's goofy but it's not stupid. No. It's actually pretty clever smart, and smart yeah. and yeah. Uh and it does reference one of my favorite summer camp films, which I think Heather and I both are <laughs> fond of, called Little Darlings. 
and oh, maybe yeah. have you seen that rusty i haven't seen it yet i'm dying to so little darlings is from 1980 it's a little hard to see now because it's not i think maybe it's on youtube but it's not on dvd it never came out on dvd um it never shows up on television really anymore uh, but it's a summer camp film from 1980 uh it's about a girl summer camp Kristen mcnichol and tatum o'neill um, are two 15-year-old girls at summer camp who decide they're going to have a contest to see who can lose their virginity first. Uh, and Matt Dillon pops up, of course, as one of the most obvious candidates for losing your virginity mm-hmm. to as a lunkhead named Randy. With his long brown locks in his eyes. Yes, that... and I love it because he has the same haircut as Christy McNichol in the film, which is great. <laughs> That's true. From a distance, they look like the same person, which I think is great. <gasps> I forgot Armand Asante. <laughs> and Armand Asante was the older guy. He's the older counselor that Tatum O'Neill decides to hook up with, which is a little creepy given that he's probably in his early 30s in the film. Uh, but it it covers all the summer camp cliches. There's food fights. There's talent shows. There's the burgeoning young love. But I think it's a little more serious than a lot of the other summer camp films. Uh, it actually grapples with young girls yeah. growing up. Sexuality. Uh, sexuality. It was written by two women, so it feels a little more authentic than if a man had written it. Um, it's actually very funny also, but it's caused, I think, some thematic problems for the studio later. Uh, when it was released to television, they really removed all references to sex or their virginity contest. So it looks like the girls are just looking for a boyfriend. Uh, Because 15-year-old girl sexuality is not something you see much of in films today. No, and to give them that sort of empowerment was something that I was like, what? I mean, I saw it as like a repeat on, you know, like a Saturday afternoon movie on TV. Right, right. So it was probably, you know, like 10, 11 maybe. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was so surprised. And it, for me, I think it was a good thing because I just had not, I didn't quite understand everything I was watching. But now right. looking back on it, to, to see two young women who were aware of their sexuality might not have made the best decisions, but were aware of it, talked to each other about it. And it's like, it wasn't a competitive matter, but mm. I feel like these days girls are not encouraged to talk to each other, let alone a parent about such things and it's just an interesting look at the 80s for that time period yes and that girls could have sexual feelings and be fond of raunchy humor there's a lot of raunchy humor in the film just like the boys it's a time of like porkies so it was like you know it's not just the boys and that crudeness here's the woman's kind of perspective of that yes so that's pretty great yeah yeah Little Darlings. It's again. It's a little hard to find, but yeah, it's um, not even available it's not on, YouTube. on Amazon. Or there's some bad, looks like some bad transfers on YouTube. So there might be some clips you can watch at least. All right then, Little Darlings. Yeah. Uh, so uh, films are not all summer films are not about summer camp. Obviously, as we're learning here, and I think Heather, you have a <laughs> film that is. I think wildly different than the films we're talking about. Leave it to me to pick one of those. As a favorite film set during the summer. Yeah, I picked uh, 1993 Falling Down by Joel Schumacher. And I'm not the best Joel Schumacher fan, but um, as a whole, just visually and technically speaking, it's a beautiful movie. So coming from that perspective, it's beautiful. The first opening sequence of shots of falling down which has michael douglas robert duvall um barbara hershey um 
is Michael Douglas stuck in his car in a hot summer in L.A. traffic. And uh, it's, you know, early 90s. Not every car has air conditioning. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's sweating and he's and but you see these cuts and it gives you the feeling of, all right, this dude's reaching his peak of frustration. You don't know his story yet, but you just see him sweating in the car and um, he just ends up losing it and but mm. not like that there's no explosive part he just walks off and leaves his car and um as we were saying earlier off mic like nobody walks in la <laughs> nobody, nobody I mean, walks in i mean LA. i will say that's kind of like a little joke of the movie is yeah he's walking to where he wants to go not driving in la right. um but as i was reading i was reading some old reviews and this was released in late february early march of 93 um it knocked off Groundhog Day oh. off the number mm-hmm. one spot. And post, you know, if you look at the society, post L.A. riots, so a year after mm-hmm. uh, that that summer. And um, here we have this guy who basically one day decides, I'm, uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm not putting up with all of these inconveniences. My life has sucked. Oh, here I am. Um, you later find out that, you know, he has no job. He's been released of his job and he's a divorcee and he's not able to see his child. Um, and all he, they present it as if all he wants to do is go see his child. So they give mm-hmm. him a, a slant of sympathy right, right there. But I think it's interesting as reading the original, some of the reviews that they were, that some people were portraying it as a comedy. Like here's this guy finally oh. getting his due. Like yeah. he gets revenge on the people that are inconveniencing him, which I find a little I mean the only funny part in this movie was when he was so pissed off at the construction workers for stopping traffic and he has a rocket launcher and he <laughs> launches a it's rocket it's a little absurd yeah it's absurd and, and and the kid next to him knows how to ro- launch the rocket because he watched it on TV mm-hmm. so that's like the one and only moment I found amusing <laughs> the rest is just very um, looking back at it now is this white guy in a city full of of culturally different people being frustrated about his position in life and that he was let go and that his wife divorced him because he was a little like very aggressive with her and she often felt like he was going to hurt her that's why he doesn't see his child and so you find out these little bits as he's walking across LA to get to his wife it is his child's birthday so he wants to go to his child's birthday and so all this time Schumacher is trying to make you feel sympathy for him and I'm just like this guy's an asshole. Like one of the first scenes is he's so tired and hot from walking. He wants a Coke and he goes in there and it's an, it's an, it's an Asian store owner, I believe a Korean store owner. And I mean, I think it's kind of ballsy if you think about what happened in the 92 riots to have a Korean store owner and, and he's mm-hmm. trying to uh, buy a Coke and it, he says it's a dollar or no, 85 cents. And if he gives him his dollar, he won't have enough money for the phone. And so he loses, Michael Douglas's character loses his crap and starts, you know, a big fuss and he knocks the store owner around and he messes up the store and smashes some stuff. And what he does is in his mind, he's justifying this by saying he reaches over to the cash register he takes out 50 cents because he thinks the soda should be 50 cents and he leaves, leaves the, the store owner on the floor after he assaulted him and the store mess. So that mentality of I'm doing this because I deserve this. 
I deserve to only pay 50 cents. You're overcharging me. How dare you? Um, and I deserve this because I'm hot and I just need a soda so I can mess up your store. And so that mentality goes through the whole movie. And the idea that I deserve to have access to my child and this because I'm a father. But yeah, you also were really aggressive and hurtful and abusive to your wife. That's why she divorced you. So there's that mentality throughout the whole movie. I, I just am so surprised that many people thought it was like a black comedy when oh, yeah. it was like uh, it was very blatantly like there's a part where he's in, you know, I don't know if it's East L.A. or not, but, you know, they have these Latino gangsters mm. who go after him. And it's just very stereotypical. And I, maybe they could have ha been trying to be amusing by that. But it was just poorly done, in my opinion, if that's what they were going for. Yeah, I and don't it, remember it being funny at all. I, I, I no, no. It was, there's oh. a line, one of the reviewers said that he Schumacher tries to have his cake and eat it too. They want Michael Douglas's character to be a villain and a hero at the same time, but he doesn't pull it off. And I don't think he does at all. I mean, this whole movie, I'm thinking this guy's acting like a child. And it, it's a very timely in that, you know, we in the current political state that we have, yes. you know, a lot of that mentality of, because my life sucks, I'm going to make your life worse. Yeah. Or I'm going to inflict my pain upon you because I can. I'm entitled. I'm entitled yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. that's and the like, vibe. Yeah. Sure, you're entitled to that anger, but you are not entitled to inflict pain upon others. Like, you're like, I'm the same person in that that car backed up in the lane, and I want to get out of there too, but that doesn't give me the right to hurt other people. And that mentality runs through this out this movie. And I think some people took it as, Oh, it's just the little guy getting his revenge for everything. Like at one point, I feel like I remember people cheering yeah, at times in the yeah. movie when I saw. Oh that. yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I it mean, really struck a nerve. And it was like, no, it's this white dude who thinks he's getting victimized, and he's taking out his anger and his psychosis onto the public. And is sure he knows better than everybody oh, else. Yeah. Right. Yes. Those regulations are just harmful. Right. right. They're not doing any good, right. and right. I know it. Right. And there's this moment that I think like Schumacher's trying to more humanize him by having him in this army surplus store. And the owner is an obvious white supremacist Nazi guy. And he's uh, played by Frederick Forrest, who's a great character actor. He's yeah. been in lots of movies. Um, and he's blatantly racist and no bones about it. And I feel like I respect his character more because he's not hiding it behind anything. He's not saying, oh, I'm this way because... He's just, it, he's a nasty asshole who's yeah. a racist yeah. and owns a store and is not a nice mm -hmm. person. And here's Michael Douglas's character trying to hide behind, I'm a victim. Society has done this to me, so I have every right to do this. Like, And I feel like maybe Schumacher thought maybe that was going to give him sympathy. like mm. Because he thinks, well, at least Michael Douglas's character's not a Nazi. Like, no. At least he's mm. more honest about who he is and what he's doing yeah. than 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 Michael Douglas's character. So it's a very, it's a, this is, a, they were also commenting on have someone watch Falling Down and they'll tell you who you are <laughs> based on how they saw that movie. Oh, yeah. Because you know? I remember sure. being terrified of that film, that it was so popular. It's such a reactionary yes. film, and especially coming after the LA riots. Yes. And to me, it reminded me of like Dirty Harry and the Death Wish movies of the yeah. 70s, which were also like great audience cheering on films. Yeah. But only if you bought into the reactionary viewpoint of right. the films yeah. that that people needed to take vigilanteism into yeah. their own hands and because the government wasn't working any longer yeah. and it's this real kind of anger that it's tapping into that 
is very relevant today yeah. Yeah. for sure. And, well, and all of that builds up to not like they don't mention race blatantly like in it. And I feel like it totally is very race thing. And so now we tap into this now who we are here, mm-hmm. who, you know, voters who were experiencing that reactionary anger about right. whether they lost their job in a factory or mm-hmm. or what have you. For whatever reason, they felt like they're a victim. And then trying to that idea that we must get back at them and it, that idea is is touted by our president on Twitter every day (laughs) so that revenge is good Mm -hmm. and that we can pay for it. So Mm -hmm. I think like, so it was in 93. So it's 24 years old, but it's a timely, it still goes for today. It is very 90s feel though. So if you've ever were in LA in the 90s, this is that Mm. falling down feels like that. I spent a summer there and I remember feeling like that. Yeah. Um, but it still goes for today and how people are reactionary towards things and how I feel like like if the world is aligned and we're all aligned, we're all on the line together. So you yelling and complaining about it or making rude comments or being a horrible person to other people because you think that you're better than them is like not the point. And mm-hmm. that movie to me is like the epitome of someone who feels that way. And just so self-entitled and so yeah. sure that they're right. And that they know better than everybody else. Yes. yes. He was always very much like, I know better than... I. He was also a defense... Uh, he built missiles in his job that he got laid right. off of. So, right. I mean, and there there are other things into the movie that imply that he had some mental issues, for sure. Um, so, it's like, are we forgetting those mental <laughs> issues? Mm-hmm. And treating yeah. him like a hero? Like, how is this happening? So, I'm, I would be interested to to see more people watch it and see what they think and and how they would respond to it. But I think it's still relevant to today. And Yeah, it's really well made. It's scary, but it's well made. And I'm always surprised it's well made because it's Joel Schumacher, right. director of Batman and Robin yeah. Yeah. and St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. I love St. Elmo's Fire, but, uh, but but it's not a great movie. No. And it's really well done. It's so, yeah. I mean, besides the anger that it instilled in me and the other the other anger that it instilled in me was it's a story about a woman who has an ex-husband who she has a protection order against. And the cops just repeatedly tell her that she's worrying for nothing. And that like like made me so irate. Like Yeah. And they they kind of downplay that a little bit in the story. I mean, they obviously tell you like, "Hey, ha- had they paid attention, the cops would have been there when he got there. Uh, it would have mm-hmm. been better." But it's really about that and it made me so angry and it still happens today. So it's, a, you know, there's timely for many reasons. And I will say uh, Robert Duvall is in it. Who's always great. Yes. Yeah. Um, he plays mm-hmm. a cop who is retiring. So that kind of line of this is his last day. What is his last day going to be? I'm too old for this shit. Right. Yeah. Yes. So there's that. And here he is trying to catch <laughs> mm-hmm. Michael Douglas. Yes. So there's that. It's an all around solid movie. Great cinematography, great editing. But like it just instills this anger in me that not anger like he has, but anger like people who behave that way and think that it's OK. Yeah. Right. Because they feel that way. It's just not. When you mentioned it before, Heather, but that opening sequence is really impressive. Yes, it is. I've only seen that movie once, I believe, at the theater when it came out. And I remember that fly mm-hmm. yeah. so vividly mm-hmm. and that opening sequence so vividly. It's really well made. Yeah. It really is. And again, it like is. you said, that's kind of weird for Joel Schumacher. It is. I don't think a... I've ever said that about any other film. Yeah. Of to be a thoughtful filmmaker. I mean, that it's seems probably odd. his best. But I don't think his his he was not successful in his intentions. 
like if he really did want him to be a villain and a hero at the same time, I don't think that is what happened. I think he wanted him to be a villain. I think he gets killed at the end. Right. I'm not giving anything away. Um, and so he's done all this bad stuff. He needs to pay for it. Right. Um, but is he make? Are they making him a martyr? He becomes a martyr. I think at the end of the film. Yeah. No, I hear you. Which yeah. makes I me hear so you. mad. <laughs> I, I, I think he's trying to have it both ways. Right. 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 I think Joel Schumacher is. And I, I'm just like, take a stand, man. Like this is not okay. <laughs> Yeah, but which is why that kind of Hollywood filmmaking is interesting because you can't really take a deliberate stand and still have a mainstream film, but That's true. the audience will take it That's and do what point. they want with it. Right. And I think audiences read that in a way that maybe he didn't intend them to read it. Maybe. That's true. Perhaps. Uh, maybe. It's, Possibly. I mean, it's crazy, but it's interesting. Yeah. So it's definitely, check it out. It's a, it's, it's, it gives you the summer feels, but perhaps not exactly the way you want it. And the summer season is very important to that film yes in the ter- in terms of the hot yeah atmosphere yeah. and the flaring tempers yeah, and the if anger he hadn't been if it was like la 70 degrees it's not going to be the same as no. la 90 degrees and i think of do and, the right thing which yeah. came out a couple years prior to this how summer was and the heat was such a, an important part of the anger that explodes in that mm-hmm. film yeah. yeah and it's like the other point is like he justifies his anger by like consumer anger so like when he's at the burger place and he's like, this burger does not look anything like this as he ha- shows the burger, mm. the actual burger. And it's like, everybody complains about that. That happens all the time. That's right. So you having an automatic weapon and shooting it in the midst of a burger joint does not justify <laughs> just because no. the burger doesn't look like the picture. So let's not like glorify that. Right. <laughs> you know, so. This goes back all the way to All in the Family, I think, when they use the Archie Bunker character. Yes, as a racist character, but supposedly, you know, you could read him as a critique of that or as an actual embodiment of that. that. And I think people did both. People did both. And I think that's kind of the magic of what happens when a film or TV show goes out to the world. To me, Archie Bunker is clearly a stereotype that's meant to make fun of of that stereotype. Right. And I think that that was the intention. But (laughs) like you say, when art goes out. Mm-hmm. People people will right. interpret it as they will. They'll they'll bring their own baggage yeah. to it, and so right. there are people who still to this day see Archie Bunker as a hero. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and I think this is a great companion to Thelma and Louise. I think which yeah. came out the year before, uh, also a summer film. So yeah, it's got a summer hot, vibe. Sweaty yeah. summer months. But that kind of female anger just explodes in that mm-hmm. film and killing men and exploding their vehicles mm-hmm. and killing themselves at the end of the film all seems mm-hmm. justifiable in the context of that film, which right. is disturbing. Right. But still, I feel like had Michael Douglas's character been presented as not having mental issues and not right. being a verbal slash potential physical abuser of his wife, I might have been able to draw more sympathy from him. But Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah. It really is. That's a, It was a great pick, Heather. I really like it that you, you decided to talk about this one. Yeah, definitely enraged worth, me. Enraged, she was so upset. <laughs> yeah, but definitely worth uh, revisiting in our current political climate. I Agreed. think absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you know, I want to take a second and uh, mention. Obviously, I love the Summer of Sam. We talked about that in the 1999 episode. Another great summer film that the city's the main character. Um, but I watched for the first time. I had avoided it. Just, I, I think, because too many people liked it or something. But The Endless Summer I watched 
And man, is that a good movie about I surfing? Yep. I loved that movie. I watched it a couple times after after it's the first one. Too. View, yeah. yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's done in an old school documentary form where there's a voiceover and you don't get any of the natural sound from what they're doing. It's these two surfers who decide to travel the world and follow summer and surf. Mm-hmm. So they go to these amazing surf locations at the time. Some of them were completely unknown. Surfing was unknown to some of the people that they encountered, mm-hmm. some of the people in Africa. There's some really great scenes in in Africa oh, yeah. um, where I, I just loved it. I just loved it. And what a great film and really, really worth checking out. It's on Netflix right now, so you can, you can watch Endless Summer if you haven't. Even if you have, it's great to revisit it. It's easy to watch multiple times. And now what a great wish fulfillment concept chasing summer and making it last all year long yeah yeah who, yeah. Would, who wouldn't want that yeah and my other little quick pick is national lampoon's vacation which again nostalgia trip back to my own childhood summer vacations which were maybe not as great as i remembered them but <laughs> looking back i don't know it was fun it was fun being with your family in a car for mm-hmm. days yeah, maybe. Yeah, hear my dad complain because we were lost. Yeah, right. Or we're my gonna... sisters and I fight over the radio. Oh sure. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Damn it! No matter what, there was that kind of aggressive. We've got to have fun because this is our one time to go out as a family on vacation and have yeah. fun. There was a lot of pressure. Um, we never strapped grandma to the hood, but aside from that, thankfully, pretty much everything else I could relate to. Oh yeah, yeah. The amusement park being closed when you get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There were times that happened. Yeah, yeah. And there are many, many other summer films, of course, but these are just a few. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really liked um, On Golden Pond. I watched that for the first time mm-hmm. to prepare for this. I mm-hmm. thought that was a great summer film. Breaking Away yeah. is a great post-graduation teenager, what do I do with my life, middle America yes. movie. Solid. I encourage you to watch it. It's a great fun. as a very young Dennis Quaid, and uh, it's good stuff, Breaking Away. On Filmstruck, yeah. you can see Little Fugitive, which we talked about in our French New Wave. Uh, it was very influential mm-hmm. for Godard and Truffaut. Uh, that's a really great little movie about a little boy who's left alone and his yes. brother treats him wrong. He thinks bad things have happened, so he takes off and goes to Coney Island. Can't recommend that one enough. No, and I love also Suddenly Last Summer, which is a 50s movie starring Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Clift and Katherine Hepburn. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, based on a Tennessee Williams play. Uh, and it positions uh, summer as the time for evil and malfeasance to happen. There's a really horrible thing that happens during the summer, and everyone's trying to get over it. Interesting. But being Tennessee Williams, they don't really right. ever get over it. No, never. Uh, no. Yes. Never. Um, so, yeah, so many, many things, many directions one can take when looking at films about summer. Uh, but we're going to be uh, moving off in a different direction next time. But thanks, Heather and Rusty, for sharing your summer picks. Thanks, Jeff. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah. Watch a movie. Go get an EG. If you're here in Tucson, get an EG's. Cold beverage. Cold beverage of whatever kind you want and uh, kick back. Chill out. Chill out. Or watch Falling Down and get angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> That's not a chill out movie. Uh, so uh, thank you uh, for listening to The Many Rules of Film Club. Please check us out on themanyrulesoffilmclub.com on you can check us on various platforms, iTunes and on um, Stitcher. Stitcher. Thank you. Yes. Player Find. FM. Find us and rate us. 
Yes, yeah, please. definitely give us some stars. Click on those stars. That really oh, helps right. us to get other people to find out about our show. Yes. So thanks for listening. 